Psalm 51. Just before we look to the Word, let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do come before you and bow the knee to you. You alone are to be lifted up. You alone are worthy. And we bow our heart, our will before you. We ask your Spirit to do the ministering in our hearts today. And Lord, we plead your mercies that you would not only open the Word to us today, not only bring personal application to our lives, but then, Lord, empower us to be doers of the Word and that we wouldn't just be hearers only, that we wouldn't be deceived by hearing only. So, Lord, we depend on you. We look forward to what you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 51, which we read a moment ago, is the psalm of David that is written when David, in the height of his power, at the height of the time of God's blessing on his life, became infatuated with beautiful Bathsheba, who was the wife of one of his military officers. Her husband's name was Uriah. Most of you are familiar with the account. Um, David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Not only that, then set it up so that Uriah was purposely killed in military battle where they set he and his group in the front lines and then everyone withdrew so that Uriah would be killed on order of King David. And we're thinking, my goodness, how could David, when he was at the height of blessing, And the height of power, how could he do something like this? And one of the the unique things about the Word of God is that it reveals man truly as man is. All the flaws, all the um, mistakes and vileness of it. And David then seemed like he'd covered his tracks and everything was taken care of, um, went on, and yet we read from other psalms and other passages of Scripture that David, although everything seemed to be covered, David had a real issue in his own heart and life. To the point that he said that he... His heart burned within him, and he had no rest day or night. And yet he still would not come clean with this until God sent the prophet Nathan to him and severely rebuked him, and David then was broken before God. And David acknowledged his sin And as a result of that, we have Psalm 51. You may be here today and say, my goodness, how did David do what he did? And 
you might say, I thank God that, that I've never done things like David and no one's blood is on my hands as far as killing anyone and so on and so forth. But what David, what God gives us through David's life here applies to each and every one of us. And it's an, it's an issue that um, every one of us has to deal with. Every one of us has a major problem. It's been the same in any age all throughout history. It is unavoidable, and the problem is sin. We live in a world today that, that wants to redefine sin, thinking that if we redefine it, it will do away with the issue of sin. A London psychologist once told Billy Graham that 70% of the people in mental hospitals in England could be released if they would find forgiveness. Their problem was a bad conscience and they could gain no relief from guilt and the pressure that that guilt brought to them under which they lived. You think of that. If we only knew what people are doing today to try to deal with the guilt of this issue called sin. It is it is worldwide. It has many diversions and we seek to deny it, we seek to rationalize it, we seek to run from it. I, I like a number of Yogi Berra's quotes. You know, it's never over till it's over. I love how profound that quote is. But applying it to this issue of sin... We seek to run from it. When, when we lived in Montana, there were, there were people that come out west and they were running from their sin. They were going to live off the land. They were, I mean, honestly, we, we were on the interstate. We'd get people showing up and, and you could tell they were running the minute they showed up. I'm going to tell you something. Don't tell anybody, okay? You know, I said, well, I can't promise that. I mean, if it's something, a legal issue, I, I would have to take it to the law enforcement. Oh, you know, they were running from their sin. Yogi Berra said this quote. I didn't forget about it. Some of you thought he got sidetracked. I did get sidetracked, but I didn't forget about it. Yogi Berra said this, no matter where you go, there you are. And no matter where we go with our sin, there we are. And our sin is there, and it doesn't matter what we call it. Man calls it an accident. God calls it an abomination. Man calls it an error. God calls it enmity against him. Man calls it liberty. God calls it lawlessness. Man calls it a trifle, just a small thing. God calls it a tragedy. Man calls it a mistake. 
God calls it madness. Man calls it a weakness. God calls it a willfulness. And indeed it is. This aspect of sin is a problem today and every day. And Psalm 51 gives us an example of someone who finally got in and dealt with the problem of sin. So we want to look at and see. Every one of us here are sinners. Every one of us have to deal with the problem of sin. Not only sin in trusting Christ, which we'll talk about in a moment, for the forgiveness of sin, but also dealing with our willfulness of sinning as a child of God. But the first thing you notice in this psalm is that sin is personal. Notice verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. You notice, you notice this, all the personal pronouns that are there. He personally owned his sin. It is mine. We must own our sin. There, there's no other way around it. There can be no blame shifting. We must admit that we made the choice to disobey God. No one can force you to sin. James chapter 1 tells us we sin because we want to. We're drawn away of our own desires. And when those desires are enticed, they produce the end result is sin, James chapter 1 tells us. Notice if you look in verse 5 of Psalm 51. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He was not saying he was born illegitimately. He was saying when I was born... I was born with the sin nature. I sin because I'm a sinner. I have a sin nature. And it is a very personal thing. My sin is the result of my actions, my will, my disobedience, and I must take personal responsibility for it. We live in a society that, that loves to find people to blame for our misfortunes. We, love, we live in a society of victim mentality that, well, poor me, I grew up in this bad situation and that explains why I'm behaving this way. No, we're born into sin, we sin willfully, And we are responsible for our sin. We can't blame it on anyone else. It is very, very personal. And every one of us have a a mountain of sin that we have to deal with. But you notice if you'd look in verse 4, another aspect in dealing with the problem of sin, not only understanding sin is personal, David then goes on and says, against thee, God, and you only 
have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight? David sinned against Bathsheba. David sinned against Uriah. David sinned against the nation of Israel. But the bottom line was, David's sin was all against God. Whose standard was he breaking? It was God's standard. Whose law was he breaking? It was God's law. Whose transgression, whose trespass, who did he trespass against? It was against God. All sin, the bottom line of sin, is all sin is against God. Sin comes when we take a perfectly natural desire or longing or ambition and try desperately to fulfill it without God. You understand? We take a perfectly God-given desire and we try to fulfill that desire without God. So that means every sin is against God. We are pushing God out of the way, and we are, I am going to try to fulfill this without you. Everything that God identifies as sin, he did it for several reasons. Number one, it is all against his nature. We sometimes get the idea that, that God... Um, before the ages planned, okay, we're going to create man. We need to put some parameters here so they just don't go do whatever they want. Um, so what should we make sin? No, God didn't have to come up with a list of sins. Everything that is a sin is against his nature. It is a sin to lie because God is truth. We don't have time to go into it. But it is all against the nature of God. And also, from our perspective, every sin is something that God knows will hinder us and damage us. So he says, I don't want you to be damaged, so I'm putting this off limits. So when we sin, our sin is against God. Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife to commit adultery. And it wasn't just a one time. She continued to try to entice him. And Joseph said this, How could I do this and sin against God? He came, he understood the reality that sin is not just, yes, it involves other people, but ultimately it is against God. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 lied about what they gave. It wasn't an issue of how much they gave, but they lied about what they gave. And Peter said to them, what has prompted you to lie to God? Peter understood sin is against God. Our sin may involve others, but the bottom line, it is against God. He, Isaiah 53 says, he was wounded for our transgressions. 
And our sins are against God. Notice if you'd look in verse 6. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. David had pulled a, humanly speaking, masterful job of covering up his sin and thought he could go on. But David came to realize God desires truth in the inward parts. Sin can be hidden from man, but never hidden from God, because because God knows every one of our hearts. And we can fool all the people some of the time, and you may fool all the people all the time, but we never, ever fool God any of the time. And God knows what is in the heart. I can remember hearing my mother quote this verse, Numbers thirty-two twenty-three, um, over and over. She had four boys, so be sure your sin will find you out. She understood we could fool her some of the time. Not too often did we fool her. but we'll never fool God. And she wanted to instill in us the reality. We may think we got by with something, but God knows our heart. He sees our heart. Everything in our life is open before him. And David came to realize my sin cannot be hidden. His heart was full of evil. He had no rest day or night. It, it ate him alive. And he knew that God knew, and sin in the inward part is guaranteed to come out. You can only hide it so long. It will be exposed. And David realized that sin is a thief. It steals, and he begins in verse 7, and he lists a number of things that sin steals. Notice, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me with, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Sin steals our purity. David realized, I need to be washed. I need to be cleansed. I need to be made whole. Sin is a thief, as Satan. A thief to come to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10 tells us. But sin steals our purity. But notice if you'd look in verse 8, David said, Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Sin is a thief that steals our joy. Notice verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. This is how sin works. David looked and thought, oh, this would give me great joy. And there is pleasure in sin for a season. But sin stole the joy. He said, 
Oh God, would you restore unto me the joy of my salvation? God, make me to hear joy and gladness. Many times the reason we as Christians don't have joy and gladness is because we haven't dealt with sin in our life. Sin robs us of joy and gladness. Notice if you'd look in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Sin is a thief that steals our power. The Holy Spirit is the power of God that is at work in our life. And without the close walk of the Spirit of God, we are powerless. And sin is is as though you turn down the power. David was going through the motions, but he knew he didn't have the power of a strong, vibrant, righteous, godly life. And it, it was gone from him. And he said, I don't have the power. I want you to create in me a clean heart and, and renew a right spirit within me so that I'll have the power of God. Don't take your spirit from me. Don't make it so that I'm unusable to the spirit of God. Notice verse 13. After he's pleading for this cleansing and restoration of of purity and joy and power, he then says, verse 13, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Sin is a thief that steals our usefulness. Why does God leave believers here? He leaves believers here to spread the gospel, to plant seeds of the gospel. And David said, Oh, would you cleanse me, God, and purify me? Then... I'll be able to teach transgressors thy way. Then I'll be useful to you. Notice verse 14. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. My tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Sin is a thief that steals our praise. He said, God, I need you to to unloose my tongue that I can sing aloud of your righteousness. I need you to, to restore unto me the praise from my mouth because sin has robbed me of this. See, it's not so, it's not so much just, oh, come on, people, praise the Lord. Come on, what do, you, what do you give praise to? The problem is we're dealing with sin in our life, and that sin steals from us. The praise that is worthy of God. But go back to verse 1. Our only hope with all this that sin does, that it cannot be hidden, that it is against God and it is very personal, our only hope is the mercy of God. Notice verse 1, how he began this psalm. A cry out to God. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Not once 
Is there any evidence? I am the king of Israel. I have done great things for you. I have killed Goliath. I am a man after God's. Never once is there anything that he did. His only basis for cry for dealing with his sin is, God, I am casting myself on your mercies. Have mercy upon me. I know you are a loving, kind God. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Jeremiah said in Lamentations chapter 3, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Great is his faithfulness. Do you understand our very existence today is due to the mercies of God and any basis for forgiveness of sin is all because of the mercies of God. David said in verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive us. That is why in John chapter 3, When Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. We celebrate the the births. We celebrate Josh and Maria had a baby this last week. Regardless of how beautiful babies look, that's in the eye of the beholder, right? Regardless how beautiful, I always think babies, to me, most babies don't look beautiful. When a guy gets bald and without teeth, do you say, wow, look how beautiful he is? I understand they have beautiful skin, they have all this, but at any rate, regardless of how beautiful a baby looks, they must be born again or they will be forever separated from Christ. And it is God's mercy that he has made it possible for us to be born again. When we are born, we are born physically. We are born with iniquity, sin ruling in our heart. We are born in sin. But Jesus Christ came and paid the penalty for our sin so that we can be born spiritually. He that has the Son has life has spiritual life. And it is the mercy of God that we have this. So first of all, the question to deal with the problem of sin, have you, have you been born spiritually to be given spiritual life because your physical life is, is filled with sin and condemned already apart from Christ? Have you been born spiritually? calling upon Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin. Well, then, once we've trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, we have the battle. We talked about it in the, in the home builders class this morning. We have the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary one to another, Galatians tells us. And so we have a choice. Romans 6 tells us 
that we, he wants us to yield to the Spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But in this battle, there are times we yield to the flesh and we sin. And often we think we're going down the road and we go off here into sin. Well, we can just take the next exit back on, entrance back on, and go on and continue like, yeah, we're back on. No. Sin robs us of joy. It robs us of power. It robs us of purity and so on. We need to go back and make that sin right. And many times as believers... We cover our sin, and Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, He that covers his sin will not prosper. That's God. That's, there's no, what does that mean? It means if you cover your sin, you will not prosper. But then he says, but whoso confesses and forsakes it will have mercy. So David in Psalm 1, he cries out, God, this weight of sin is too much for me. God, have mercy upon me. And he confessed his sin against you and you only have I sinned and done this wickedness. He confessed his sin and turned from it and God had mercy upon him. It's the mercy of God that sent his son to pay the penalty for sin. It's the mercy of God that forgives us. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, it's not just admitting that we did it, it's agreeing with God. Yes, sin is against your nature. It damages me. It hinders your cause. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is only the mercy of God. In Romans chapter 7, Paul had been spelling out the battle of the flesh and the spirit. And he cries out in frustration in verse 24 of Romans 7. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, this body of sin, And then he says, but thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory in Christ Jesus. The only solution for sin is the mercy of God. And if you're here today and you have never called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, there is no forgiveness of sins apart from Jesus Christ. Membership in any church, it doesn't matter this church, it doesn't matter how many times you've been baptized or how you've been baptized, it doesn't matter how many good works you try to do, there is no forgiveness of sin except in Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you are a believer, but you have sinned against God, which we all do, and you have just tried to cover it, you have tried to go on and ignore it and deny it, and you are experiencing a lack of joy, a lack of power in your life, there's only one solution for that, to come back to God and say, against you 
and you have I sinned. I was wrong. I sinned. I have no one else to blame. I ask for your forgiveness. And thankfully, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is this is the major problem in all of history is the problem of sin and that's why Jesus Christ came and that's why he gave us his word and that's why he intercedes for us now before the father So Christian what are you doing with the sin in your life Well I probably shouldn't have said that hopefully I'll do better next time No that's not that doesn't solve it I probably shouldn't have looked at that, but I'll try better. No. It's coming back and it's seeking his forgiveness and it's acknowledging our sin. And it's understanding that my sin is against God. What's the problem? The problem in the world today, as always, is sin. The only solution to sin is Jesus Christ and confession of sin. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would make personal in our lives today the reality of our own sin. God, I pray that your spirit would personally convict us of our pride, of our willfulness, of our rebellion, And Lord, I pray that we would know the joy restored as we confess and forsake. That we would know the abundance of mercy as we bring our sin before you and rest in your faithfulness to forgive our sin. Lord, I pray if there are individuals here today that are not sure they have ever been born spiritually, have ever received Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, I pray today before they leave that they would call upon you for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, I I pray if they're not sure about their eternal destiny, that they would mention that to someone before they leave today, that they could settle it, knowing that their sins are forgiven. Lord, would you bring a purifying in our hearts today? Lord, I pray that your Spirit would penetrate our hearts as only you can. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Let's